Hey, Megan. Hey, Michelle. Welcome to Sisters. Sisters. There There were were never never such such devoted devoted sisters. sisters. Oh, I'm so glad you're with me this week. I'm so glad to be here, too. I just love being with you. It's fun. Uh, It's always fun. We always have something to talk about. It's weird. We do. Yeah, I know. Some people would say, stop. (laughs) (laughs) But we won't. But we just said, let's make a podcast. (laughs) Well, great. So let's get started today. Love it. Let's do it. Get into it. Get into it. So we're going to, on this podcast, dig into Rosie's brain. (laughs) Are you a willing participant? I think so. I I mean, I've named it Rosie's Brain, so I must have some say in it, right? Absolutely, you do. (laughs) And what I want to talk about today is a little bit about what it means to be neurodivergent, Mm. what it means for you, also how you've been described by others. Mm. I also want to talk about how it's affected you, both physically and emotionally, Mm -hmm. a little bit. We won't get super deep, but I, I want to make sure that we can discuss that a bit. Yeah. And then how you've learned to cope with it, some of the strategies you've learned over the years. And then I know you really want to build a community of support around this. And so we want to discuss that as well. So our podcasts really are going to be a combination of stories along with digging into your brain. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Meaning from your perspective. How do you see the world? Because that's been endlessly Mm. fascinating to me ever since you were born, honestly. Yeah. And then we want to talk about kind of how we cope with some of those things that we're discussing. So I think that's kind of the big picture of the podcast. So today, though, I want us to start with a story because I'll usually have us start with a memory or a story. Mm. And so I was talking with our mother before getting here today to, to have this podcast. And she described your beautiful brain in in a variety of ways oh no I'm scared no no good all good but I think she said you know and I think you you might agree to this that you have this endless creativity that that is true and sometimes with it comes endless chaoticness true true (laughs) true true as well well I mean okay yes chaos others might see it as chaos yeah it all makes perfect sense to me Okay, so this is why your brain is fascinating to me, because you do have a reason for everything. I absolutely do. So here's what I want to know more. I want the story. You had a tremendous amount of stickers growing up. You love stickers. Oh, my gosh. And so our mother remembers vividly. I don't think a lot from when we were kids. I mean, I'm I'm not saying she doesn't remember anything, but, you know, it's a haze with three kids, right? So, But she remembers very much in detail your sticker book. And stickers being placed perfectly. Oh, yeah. So I'm wondering, like, what was that about for you? Can you just, can you, first of all, can you describe your sticker book to us or sticker books? Um, Well, I had multiple. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yes. Um, I think it first started off with like a Lisa Frank sticker Mm, book. Super colorful. Oh, yeah. And it was like a cat on the front. Oh. And it says my stickers or my (laughs) sticker books. It was very literal. (laughs) And they were like these glossy pages that you could Mm. put your stickers on. And I'm assuming, I don't know why, maybe they were glossy in case like you wanted to, like you missed, missed I don't know. She remembers you taking them on and putting them back on again and again. Oh, so I was right. Yeah. So that memory is correct. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is correct. Um, 
Yeah. So I think when I first started stickers, I, I don't know. I didn't, I mean, it was just sort of like, just put them wherever. Right. I, I know they can't see what I'm doing right now. Yeah, but I'm you're just plopping your plopping. hands all over the air. Yeah. Like, they're everywhere. Just stick them. Yeah. They're stickers. stickers. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, um, but I was so fascinated with, like, all of the colors and the shapes and the different, like, there were some that were scented at the mm. time. How old were you, do you think? Oh, I was really young. I mean, I think I started started I started young <laughs> started with your sticker habit young <laughs> my sticker habit started really young um yeah I think I was like I mean I don't know I was three or four mm-hmm. um but like I I just remember like staring at these stickers for like hours because mm-hmm. I was just fascinated with all of, like you know the the different colors and the shading and the the I mean just everything I don't know what it was but I was just mesmerized and when you're looking at it are you looking at like every pixel are you looking at shapes are you looking at color what do you see when you're looking at these stickers that you could look at it that long I mean I'm I guess I was cataloging them sort of in a weird way Mm. so like I might look at I I don't know in my head right now I've got this you know sticker that is um it's got like a holographic kind of thing on it Mm. and so I would just stare at it and try to see like okay so it's changing colors and then it's morphing rainbow like it turns red over here but if I look this direction it turns green and blue you know and then it and then also like how does the holographic section connect with like a non-holographic section and how like my eye might be able to I could see my eye in the holographic part but then I can't see it in the non-holographic part and I just was mm. endlessly fascinated with stuff like that where I'm I I just couldn't stop looking at it I mean I would look at like the shapes and say okay well you know, if there's like a couple of triangles, like, well, do those triangles make a different shape in my mind? That's not that that sticker. And, you know, just trying to figure out like, how could it look? How could it? It was just, it's kind of hard to explain. No, but I think that's the whole point of this podcast is that it is hard to explain and that we want to try to little by little start to understand, you know, when you see somebody staring at something for endless hours, you know, maybe you might have an assumption about them or you might think mm. that they're not, they're they're kind of zoning out. Mm-hmm. And in fact, your brain was working overtime, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd be staring at it and, oh, yeah, I'd have, I, I, I would have every thought in my head. <laughs> I mean, I was also making stories about them. Mm. So, you know, there, there was like a whole series of Betty Boop stickers. Uh-huh, I remember those. And... She was like in different, she was like in different poses in different places. And so like I would kind of, I would sort of imagine her leaping out of the page and like going around and talking to the other stickers or like, you know, I was creating a whole story in my head of like, okay, she's coming and hanging out with like the Lisa Frank's dog and that's her little dog over there. And then, okay, this little like bear sticker that I got like, oh yeah, and they're buddies. And like, I would have a whole a an whole entire story entire in your head. world yeah so when you're looking we're looking at a plain like two-dimensional sticker book and you're looking at a whole world yeah in your mind yeah and so where those stickers were placed and where they went mattered based on either story or cataloging in some way maybe definitely cataloging in the beginning it was like very random just everywhere kind of you know and you can kind of see as the hard things started coming in and 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 my social life wasn't as great and school wasn't as great you can start seeing that I start controlling the stickers Mm. and so I go into like 
every single note. I, I had all these like notes when I started, you know, doing um, music. Mm-hmm. And so I got a bunch of these really cool kind of holographic-y looking notes. And um, I had them all lined up in a row. So the music notes themselves, even though they were stickers, they they you made them line up. They all were like a row. Or I had mm. like all of the the teddy bears, like they were all in a row. And I just... You know, everything had to be very meticulous at that point because it was like the only thing I could control. Got it. Okay, so so that that brings me to going kind of into what it means to you to be neurodivergent because a lot of what you needed to control, as I remember it anyway, was because you kind of were in this school system and in in a world that really needed you not to be telling stories in your head all day yeah (laughs) right which is what you wanted to do yeah right that's where you naturally went at four and three but as you go get older now you're trying to be in this world and and brought into this world that needs you to be a little different oh so so not a little different like it needed to me to be it needed everything that I was needed to be other yeah I would think in a way you wouldn't say neurodivergent you would say me yeah. I didn't know that term until recently. Well, and it's kind of recent. I mean, it's yeah. like in the 90s, I think, that they came up with it. And so I think, you know, but there's been all these classifications of what it means to be neurodivergent. Mm. I liked the term because it, I think it gave some freedom to the fact that it wasn't wrong. It was just, you know, going a different direction potentially or, di- you know. Divergent. Like it diverges from, from what is neuro, oh, I guess your brain is diverging. I guess. Is I, that what neurodivergent? But, but I think it still kind of brings us to this point of it's not normal. Yeah. Right? Which is such a dirty word in a weird way, you yeah. know? But I think this idea that you weren't normal, that our brains work very differently, and everyone's brain works differently, but mm. I think some people's brains fit into the box more easily than others. Yeah. That's true. I, I mean, there is... I, I always wonder, like, what does normal look like? That's not me, and that's not – it's like it's a different skill set, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So what you've been categorized – I mean, yes, obviously different skill set, but what you've been categorized as by professionals is what? Um, ADHD. Okay. Which OC, is attention deficit. Attention deficit dis- hyperactivity disorder. Right. Which women, until, yeah, women couldn't even have it. Up until originally. recently. Yeah. I mean, that's the crazy part is that like there was a female psychiatrist here in town who actually diagnosed me with ADHD, mm-hmm. which is actually pretty astounding because like I, yeah, up until what, a couple of years ago, they, they truly thought that women did not have ADHD. They didn't have the hyperactivity part. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. I had the hyperactivity part, okay? <laughs> yes, <you do. laughs> I would like run around this like the living room just feeling my oats and like yeah. doing whatever I needed to do and I couldn't stop. Yeah. That's so true. I think I was just so hyperactive that it was like it was undeniable. Right. Right. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um I think that and uh, I mean I've had OCD tendencies. Mm-hmm. I've never been OCD because I, I you know that was just that was a trauma response. Um I have PTSD, anxiety, depression. Um, actually, not a lot of anxiety. That's been recently, but definitely depression. Mm. I mean, I'm, I, I joke that I'm an alphabet soup of disorders. Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like, you know, when you think about your own brain mm-hmm. 
and you think about ADHD, how, how do you kind of rectify that with feeling like, no, that's just me, but you're saying that's, you know, that question of normal. What is different about you than maybe me in your mind in terms of the hyperactivity part of it or the attention part of it? I kind of wonder if, I don't fully know actually, but I kind of wonder if it is related to energy levels. Mm. Like people always called me, um, what did they call me, Michelle? They called me um, lazy. Mm. That was lazy. And it's like, well, it's not lazy. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's not laziness. It's just that I, like, I, I don't have whatever it is in the brain that like forces you out of bed. Like yeah. that dopamine kick that just like, mm-hmm. we're going to start the day and we're going to do it. And yeah, I don't have that. Interesting. And so like part of what you're talking about is like executive functioning, which is those things that our brain wants, you know, needs us to do certain things, right? And that we have to get up and go and all of that. And that that's very classic, you know, defined with neurodivergent people Mm. is that that executive functioning of I'm going to get up and I'm going to go and I'm going to go do this and then I'm going to do this next thing is actually like not working in the same way that other people's brains might be and so you have thoughts in your brain of like I'm going to go and do this and then do that oh yeah all the time oh yeah okay well I can tell you and also also to an extent sometimes that it's hard Right. I mean, because it's like, oh, I have to get up. I have to go do like even if my body doesn't feel like doing it Mm. sometimes or whatever, you know, like I'm I'm always on that track, though, of like, what's the next thing? See, for me, I can't even think in my head if that makes sense. Like I I mean, I can. But if I'm trying to plan something out, I get distracted in my own head. Right. So I'll be like trying if I try to think about something, I can't. I, 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 I'll think about maybe one step and I'll get to that second step and I just can't figure out the next one in my head. So I just keep repeating the same step over and over and over again. Right. And I'm trying to like, it's like I'm trying to move on to the next one, but like I just can't maintain the focus. Right. So I end up having to physically talk it out to myself or I have to write it down or I have to like, I can't just do it in my brain. Okay. So it's not something that you're going to keep in your brain Oh, no. No, no, no. So you've had to develop a lot of strategies then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what has this left you with then, you know, or might this have left you with? Like as a kid, I remember just getting you ready for carpool, for example, (laughs) was like the most giant nightmare because, you know, for me, yeah, because I am that person of, okay, I had my shoes out. I had my backpack out. I have my, you know, and who knows? I want to be that person. Like, I know. So I know. Badly. Well, well, because the world has asked you to I just, want to be. Yeah. Like I feel too. like I would be just such a happier person <laughs> if I just was that. If right. I just like could have my shoes laid out and I could have my bag and everything and not like leave my bag in the kitchen because I accidentally forgot that something was on over in the kitchen. And then I like I just that would be fantastic. Yes. And I know that that dichotomy like my dream <laughs> I know. But it but it really is a dream partly because the world wants you to have that dream. Is it? Okay. I hadn't thought about that way. I think a little bit. No, yeah. I mean, I think it's what's aesthetically appeasing. Right. Like the fact that you would have to have two matching shoes. Who says? 
That's true. There you know what I'm saying? Like there's some yeah. things that we just assume in life, you know, mm-hmm. that you have to start your day at eight or you have to start your day at seven or that, right? We've talked a lot about this, like evolutionarily, like I was the one who was probably going to make sure everybody got fed and you were going to make sure that the tiger didn't come right. and kill us all. Right. And you're like hyper aware of that. So I think there is something to that. Yeah. But it's made you to feel, I think, that somehow who you are at your core at certain points in your life was not enough or not right. And yeah. that I want to just kind of dive into just a little bit. So thinking about like little Rosie mm-hmm. and now you go to school and what was that like for you? It's sort of like my first memory of like being around other kids mm. and we were wherever it was like there was like this kind of outdoor um, above ground pool okay. that you would like put your feet in a bucket of water. Well, okay. So you'd walk from the door to the, through the grass. They'd make you put your feet in this like pink bucket of water. It's a oh, pink wow. bucket. Oh, wow. And then you would wipe your feet off. So there's no grass going into the pool. You climb up the stairs and then you get into this big giant pool. Okay. And I just remember like being teased and tortured because I would get to the water of pink, bu- the pink water bucket, and it was so warm and it was so lovely. <laughs> you just and I was to like, stay in that pink bucket. <laughs> I did. Move, Megan, move. Yeah, because everybody wanted to get into the pool. And I was just like, oh, I'm so happy right here. Why do I have to get into the pit? Because you get in the pool. And no one thought, let's let her go last. Right. They were like, oh, you're by order, by height or something. Yeah. Or whatever. By middle. Name. Oh, I think it was by name. So you're so in the I, middle. I'm in the middle. So I'm like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. And so they were just always like so mean about it. And Aww. I just, because like I didn't want to get in the water because it was so cold. So cold. It was just like, And you were tiny <laughs> then. You oh, were yeah. a little tiny. And I have, I have really, really thin skin. Mm. So like it would. Um, it was cold. It was freezing. Yeah. yeah. So it was just really hard going to school. Yeah. emotionally the other thing is that they would always set expectations verbally Mm. and so I've learned over the years that if you tell me something verbally I will not remember it like I just I don't retain it Mm -hmm. I have to physically see it and then physically write it Mm. but I have to have it in front of me or something to return back to and I have to look at it multiple times I can't just like hear it once like you know Brian and I had this thing my husband Brian he you know he is very military auditory guy. And so he'll tell me something once and think that I remembered it. And I've had to explain to him over the years. I'm like, I, no, you told it to me once. I, I don't remember it. Wow. And I also have apparently short-term memory loss. So my short-term memory, so to add everything else to it, my short-term memory is not great. So if you tell me something in the beginning, like it, it takes me multiple times before I'll actually retain it. But then once I retain it, I will remember it. Interesting. And so it's, and and I always find with you, you're like a lockbox. Once you know it, it's really in there for Mm -hmm. sure. And I I can imagine this impacts you in so many facets of your life. Obviously, the school life we'll get into more as we go along. But I I do feel like there's just, you know, it impacts friendships, it impacts relationships, right? Because if you don't remember what a friend told you, or that they needed something and then you didn't, you know, especially when you're oh, in your yeah. teen years, I mean, you're going to lose everybody. Oh, and like during, especially during middle school mm. and the girls wanted to write notes to each other. And <laughs> I just like, 
oh my God, that was like the worst thing ever. <laughs> like I just, I yeah. couldn't sit down long enough to write a note. Too bad social media was not in your life then because I think it would have been a lot easier for you in some ways maybe. No, you know what? Social media is equally as, as overwhelming. Interesting. There's just so much. Be- it's actually worse. There's so much just being thrown up in my face all the time. That it just overwhelms. It's, oh, completely overwhelming. Interesting. It's like, I, you know, I know I know we want to have some social media for this podcast, but it's also like, I don't know how I can handle that. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And, and we've really come to this idea, too, that, you know, we're going to lean into your brain on this. We're going to lean into <laughs> what you can what you can do yeah. and and not and create a world where it's acceptable to be who you are. So if we don't like, respond right away, then that's just what's going to happen. Cause yeah, that's not it's not not what you can it's do. Like so I want to I want to be able to post stuff and like interact but like the way I interact might not be the way people are used to and it's not gonna it's not gonna be on time (laughs) it's not gonna be like within the same like I'll I'll be able to get back to it like maybe you know once a week or something and then I'll look at it but like it's not gonna be in any right frame and and the worst thing is that when I was in middle school I didn't know how just to I didn't understand that that wasn't okay and that I just that was something within me that I just didn't have. And so I would always lie. And I'd say, mm. oh, I'm just writing you a really long message. <laughs> and it's taking me forever. Yeah. Because I didn't know. Right. And then, then they and would you get, don't want to hurt people's feelings. Yeah. So then you learn to lie. And then they would yeah. get so mad at me. They're like, oh, yeah, you're going to write some really long message back to me. And then they were so mean. Yeah. And I just, it was just like, I don't want to fucking write a goddamn <laughs> message. <laughs> I didn't like doing it either but partly it's just that writing was really hard for me and like physically writing was Mm. difficult and so I just it was painful and I did yeah I did for me it was difficult um okay so I in thinking about this I think you've come up with so many ways to cope around this and you know I was always saying you know Rosie when you think about your brain what do you think about and your like immediate thing was like puzzles you know Mm -hmm. and and that's such a huge coping mechanism for you puzzles and I think also you know your writing Mm -hmm. seems like a really big piece of of how you kind of get things out when you're in that mood and I also think that you've got some some creativity some artistic pieces that you do to help you um through all of this and I, I think one of the things I want to be able to talk to you about is some of those coping strategies that that you might have as well. And so when you're thinking about going back to those stickers, you know, mm. what was it about those stickers that was helping you at that moment? Not that that was always creative, right? But what was that strategy and, and what might that be in your adult life now that you something similar that you might do now? I think it was a lot of color. But then also, I I liked that they were quiet. Mm. <laughs> so, the, say more about that. The the stickers don't have emotion. Mm. They don't have thoughts, and they don't have you know thing like they're ve- it's it's very two dimensional. Like whatever it looks like, that's what it is. And you can you can look at it, and you can create it more, and you can you know, say, oh, you know, I can kind of glean from like, oh, the way that their eye is twinkling. Are they happy or are they sad? Um, but like it, they, they weren't going to talk back to me and say like, oh, yeah, my eye is twinkling, but I'm really pissed at you. Oh. You know, it was just it was very it was so understandable. 
And it was like, okay, I, I could just kind of quiet down and, and, and sort of Zen out because I didn't have to worry about there being two opposing facts going on. Interesting. So it was almost meditative. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And nowadays I don't see you with stickers in mm-hmm. the same way. No, I mean, I think I, I changed it up a little bit. I mean, I, you know, when I was in, um, like, you know, years back I was doing a lot of drawing, like the art, the, what is it? The, the alt, the adult coloring books. Mm. Um, I did that for a while. I think, um, diamond art has been a good one. Um, puzzles, you know, painting, I've started painting my nails and like learning how to do that, Mm. you know? So it's like, I'm still getting all these like fun colors and this vibrancy, but it's, it has nothing to do with anybody else other than me Mm. and whatever story I want to tell. Um, but yeah, I think just like not having to deal with the, the two faced of humanity sometimes is what helps me to get away from that to kind of detox from that or to just have like you said quiet yeah to kind of recharge yeah yeah and I guess like the stickers they didn't require me to be anything other than who I was yeah they didn't mind me looking at them for hours Mm. if I stared at somebody for hours they thought that was weird <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. Like, why are you like, staring at me, Rosie? We, we talked about mom, and like, I, yeah. I could not. I loved the fact that she used to wear dangly earrings. Oh. I just, I loved being able to just, like, you know, yeah. jingle jangle them with my finger. You and it, still do. I still do. It drives her crazy. <laughs> but like, there's something just so amazing about it, and yeah. like, and I, but like, I can't do that with other people, right? And so, like, I feel like you know, even with the stickers, like, I would. I would trace them with my finger hmm. and I'd feel them and I would like see like all the different, that's why I, they kind of had every single sense involved with them. Cause some were even like had texture. So you could like scrape them a little bit and hear the sounds hmm. and then you could smell some of them cause they were smell like chocolate. That's mm-hmm. amazing. That's amazing. And so I think it was just, it, they don't stickers, my stuffed animals, my, yeah. my, my, my pets, you know, they don't require me to be anything other than who I am. Yeah. They don't ask. They just want me to be there. And they just say, you know what? I love you just the way you are. Yeah. And that doesn't always happen with humans. Yeah. And it's sad because like, wouldn't the world be amazing if it was like that? And so that's really the community, the world you want to build. Yeah. That compassionate community. Yeah. Like where... If you're having a bad day, it's like, cool, you're having a bad day, dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, n- like, I'm here. I'm not going to run away because you're having a bad day. I'm also not going to run away because you're having a good day. I'm going to celebrate your good days. Um, you know, like, I'm wherever you are, you're allowed to be there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold on to it for you, but I will still be next to you. Yeah. And I think, like, just seeing the, like, the tears coming down your face right now it it means so much to you yeah and I know that you know even for myself that is such a work in progress with you that you know I didn't I didn't understand and I think for people who are loving somebody who is beautifully neurodivergent or beautifully themselves however we want to say it and I and it 
it's hard because we are in such an ableist society where when we think somebody is functioning in a different way, that somehow that's not functioning. Yeah. And, or it isn't enough. And even it even, needs to be supplemented in some way as opposed to just accepted for where it's at. Like even, I think, quote unquote, normal people. Yeah. You know, just accepting who you are because this whole idea of what's normal, well, I mean, that's going to depend on what, like what, it depends on the person. Yeah. What's normal for me is going to be totally different than what's normal for you. And so being able to accept the fact that you have your own normalities and I have mine. Yeah. And that they are they are different and they may clash at times, but it's not because I don't love and support you. It's because I just am different. And Absolutely. so it's not like an attack. I think that's the thing that's hard is that it feels like my brain is somehow an attack on people. <laughs> just the fact that you are who you are is an attack. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting too to me is even the term, you know, divergent, it's saying that you are somehow diverging from something. Yeah. Right. And it was interesting. I just read a book uh, called Normal Sucks and it's, it's such a good, (laughs) such a good book. So we'll put a link to it um, in this. But one of the, the things that I found interesting was that this idea of normal they tried, they actually have uh, the gentleman who, who did the book, uh, wrote the book, um, you know, was looking up old articles and things. And they actually tried to classify like finding a normal, n- typical person. Mm. And they did this entire scouting all over the U.S. And it was back, I don't remember when it was, but it was like 1900s or something. And early 1900s. And they tried to find this average person. And they finally found her and then realized that even she wasn't quote unquote normal. There was something about her that was slightly off of all the averages that they had done. Height, weight, eye color, Mm. whatever it was. There was averaging of everything. Wow. And so when we talk about the idea of normal, you know, it's really talking about average. And so in a way, who wants to be average? Mm. That's and so point. I think when we think about this, whether we call it neurodivergent or we call it Rosie's brain, I think it's just really fascinating to see how do we create a community where it's okay to be exactly who you are and, like you said, accepted for who you are. Mm-hmm. And I like also that you allow for this emotional space for people. You're saying, I'm going to be there with you. I'm not going to hold it for you but I'm going to be there with you yeah I think it's beautiful thanks I'm so excited to keep digging into your brain as we go along as, as long as it's not painful <laughs> physically <laughs> do we have to like actually crack it open and like scoop it out a little I mean no 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 we won't do that we won't we won't go that far but I know it is asking a lot of you so I appreciate you being here today well I'm glad that I can be here I love you I love you too
Thanks for listening to our podcast, everybody. This podcast was hosted by Megan Mayadusky and Michelle Woodward, and it was edited by Megan Mayadusky. Oh. oh, and we really appreciate everything that you guys are doing by listening to us. If you liked it, maybe you might want to share it or give us a rating. Um, that's going to really help us get our message out, and it's also just going to help Michelle and I because we are a two-woman band. Yes. We Making your help happening. So, Absolutely. And you can also reach us on rosiesbrain.com, which has lots of resources and links from the show. Um, and we'll have show notes and whatnot there and all the crazy puzzles and words and sounds. And just be ready because there will be some outtakes oftentimes at the end of podcasts. So make sure to follow us all the way till the end. We hope you're well wherever you're at. And remember, stay compassionate. Yeah, and I, I remember almost to the day when you started implementing that in your life because it fundamentally changed our relationship mm. for me and it changed, I think, hopefully for the better, uh, the work that I was doing on myself of, of how I needed to be different, how I needed to be more compassionate. And I remember... You know, I don't remember what we were talking about, but I do remember this day where I was really upset about something, you know, as I'm like to do, you know, and sometimes when when you're really upset or you're really vocal, people want to kind of say like, okay, got it. Right. Mm-hmm. Which means shut up. Right. Or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and it uh, means no, let's shift your focus or whatever. And I remember you had just been through uh, some, some work you were doing um, and you just said, you're you're really upset with me. Mm. You're really not happy with what I did. And you just vocalized what it was I was feeling. You understood it and it was clear you understood it, but you weren't defensive. You weren't trying to change what I was thinking. You weren't also necessarily agreeing with it. You were just stating what it was. And I remember how it felt. And what it felt was being heard. Mm. And I think when people feel heard, we don't have to agree. Yeah. For it to feel very satisfying between both people. We can actually fundamentally disagree. Yeah. Walk away disagreeing about things or feeling differently about them and still feel good about the interaction. And so I love this idea of helping to build a community where, you know, there are boundaries around the way we respond, Mm -hmm. but maybe not so many boundaries on what we're talking about, how we feel about things, right? Our own feelings. And I think being having a safe space for that is really really important well it's interesting too because they have there's this idea that like there's only one truth but the reality is that there are multiple truths based on how people view it and so the best way you can actually you can actually show this is that if you take a piece of paper and you draw the number six Mm. and i put it in between the two of us Mm -hmm. and i ask you michelle what number do you see i see six what do you see nine yeah those are both the truth. Yeah. Yet it's the same piece of paper. And so that this idea that just because you see a nine and I see a six doesn't mean that you're wrong. Right. It just means that this is how I see it. That's how you see it. 
Right. And they can both be accurate at the same time. Yeah. There is no such thing as the singular truth. Because and, and the way that, you know, I see the the sticker book and the way you see the sticker book or what you need it for and what I would need it for might be different even though it's the same sticker book. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. 